Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 345 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparas. Who else is here in the mystical, magical, <laughs> memorial studio of the airwaves? This is Matthew. No, I'm fine that my PSN name is a reference to an early 2000s movie series. Really, guys, I'm really fine. Alan. <laughs> and special guest. Hey, it's me, the Butterfinger-branded gamer, T.L. Foster. I couldn't think of a good... PlayStation <laughs> <laughs> Nobody better lay a finger on your butterfinger. I don't know. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I feel like if I did a paw rapper thing, it would paw be a whole... Rapper. <laughs> it'd be a whole... Like, bits die like that. So, yeah. Kick, kick, punch. Yeah, it's always my pleasure to come on. I love this show, so I, I, I have no problem chopping on at any time, especially talking about something I extremely love, which is the PlayStation. Yeah, so this week, PlayStation has had its 25th anniversary since its release in Japan on December 3rd, 1994. Came to the U.S. in the following year, but PlayStation, I think it's fair to say it changed the history of games as we know them. Obviously, CD gaming had already been a thing, but it was sort of like nobody really quite knew what to do with it. We'd had... Missed. We'd had some Sega CD games, NXS, Make My Video, whatever, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, and Night Trap. The term multimedia was thrown around a lot yes. in this time. And, yes, and it was. people couldn't decide if they wanted to make games or if they wanted to make multimedia experiences, which usually just meant really heavily compressed, crappy video mm -hmm. inside some kind of static game background. Generally, yes. But then PlayStation came along with its. High quality, full screen, 480i video. Eventually. Maybe it could do 480p, I don't know. Eventually, because one of the things I think when we were picking this topic, one of the things we noticed is there was this weird transition period toward the beginning of the PlayStation's life cycle where they they too were, were trying to have multimedia experience. There was a lot of FMV in, in some of these games, oh, is what yes. I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. the, the, the it, launch was, like, it had some cool stuff. It was a little, little weird at first, and... There was a lot of stuff that kind of didn't get off the ground, and there's a lot of stuff that seems like it belongs firmly in that era. So I, th I think, like, for every Uncharted or Sly Cooper or Jack and Daxter, there's a million other franchise. Well, there's at least one other franchise per each of those games that, like, was popular at the time, but is now kind of, like, weirdly mired in the past, and everybody seems to have forgotten about it. These are games that never made it past that generation. Yeah, and this generation, I would, I think it's fair to say it has not aged well. Like for for yeah. for as groundbreaking yeah. as the PlayStation was, when you look back at those games, they just look rough. You know, it, it's like you look at eight bit games, sixteen bit games, because of the, you know their sprites and pixels, and and they still have unique art, and they they can still look quaint and beautiful. Whereas PS one games are just blurred out nasty mm -hmm. low poly messes for the most part you know but but what's weird is now that we have this like kind of weird nostalgia for ps1 stuff and we've we've seen i think we're probably in the second wave of that there there have been games that have been trying to kind of evoke that style but i i wonder if that didn't even ultimately affect the the well the, the poor sales of the ps1 classic and that it's like it's this console that is groundbreaking and fondly remembered mm -hmm. But not anything you want to go back well, to. It's, it's like we loved what we did at what it did at the time, but I think even at the time, it was widely acknowledged that those graphics were janky as hell. Like, 
it, it was sort of like the, the early days of polygons, and it was like, well, this looks really good. It doesn't look anywhere near as good as, like, a 2D game does. And so we're right. all kind of, like, acknowledging that, like, yeah, these are kind of rough right now, but they look better than anything else on the market. And we're kind of anticipating the day when 3D games can look as good as 2D games. And yeah, because the, the well, system wasn't about what you could do visually. It was about that third dimension. It was about all of a sudden now you could make 3D games with polygons where you could move in 3D space. Mm -hmm. It was also about, because you were putting games on a CD instead of a cartridge, you had a ton more memory for music. And so things like audio and music all of a sudden started to take precedent. And then a lot of these games that we're going to talk about, it was more about this is gaming's transition into the third dimension. You know mm -hmm. What I remember about the PlayStation 1, though is it was competing with the N64. Mm -hmm. and, and both of those platforms were, were seemingly exploring, like, well, how do we make that transition into 3D? And ultimately, I think PlayStation ended up winning in terms of sales-wise just because because of the CD format, you could be a lot flashier with certain things in those games. Mm -hmm. If you think about the cinematics from Final Fantasy VII, if you think about the music from a lot of the... Even games that were like used 2d pixel art there were a lot of shmups on, on the playstation one that had like amazing music uh it, well think of one of what's one of the most well-remembered playstation one games out there it's a, i'll give you a hint it's a castlevania title uh Symphony of the Night. Night. right of course so, so that yeah. is that is a 2d pixel game mm -hmm. that you know but it, it has this amazing soundtrack um because the playstation one could still do pixels better than anything before it had done you know so it was such a weird system but there are certain franchises that were big at the time that just didn't need to make the transition, I don't think, to the PlayStation yeah. 2 and beyond. You know, they were well, they were serving a purpose at a time. Yeah, well, the thing about PlayStation was it was about spectacle, right? So, like, the system is always weird to be... Well, not weird, but it's just... It's a weird nostalgia for me because my brother was born two days before the launch of the PlayStation. Like, he literally just had his 25th birthday. Mm. But to me, the PlayStation was... I, I remember vividly my best friend, uh, Alfred Confiato, going to his house, and it was like seven of us in his in his garage, and a small CRT TV to watch him play Tomb Raider, and have all of us, like, our mind blown of like, well, this is what games, like, games can do that, and that was what the PlayStation was. It was mm -hmm. the spectacle and the, the, the anticipation of, here's where it can go, and I think a lot of that stuff is rudimentary. But when you look at what the building blocks were, you see where it becomes more of a good transition as opposed to, like, something that's, like, rooted in nostalgia, right? Like, the SNES, the reason why people have so much fondness is because we had a while with those sprites and we could see them bake and we could see, you know, where it would go there. And the PlayStation was like, okay, where do we go to the next step? I think that's also why people have a huge, have a more of a fondness for the PS2, right? Because, mm -hmm. like... Okay, now we had the potential. Here's what we can actually do with it. Yeah. So I, I, the PlayStation was just so great. I also remember Final Fantasy VII, just like not believing a game like that can like happen. Mm -hmm. I remember asking one of my friends, like, he doesn't have. Why does he have a sword that big? And my friend looked at it's me. Anime. Just, <laughs> well, he just looked at me dead face. They're they're bad guys. He has to fight that. He needs that big of a sword. <laughs> <laughs> was your friend no. eight? <laughs> yeah. Well, granted, we were in sixth grade at the uh, time, ah, so, so yeah, like, not far yes. off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, that's a yep. good chance for. I, I was going to bring up my first, my first real PlayStation memory, and I wanted to get yours as well, Michael, because I could just, I, I can distinctly remember it. So, other than seeing it in Best Buys at like a kiosk, 
Um, and this was the time. Do you remember when Best Buy's had like the big multi-screen thing above the gaming kiosk that you could see from across the store? It was like ten TVs they would put together and show what people were playing on the kiosks down mm. below. Anyway, but I remember seeing one. But my first real memory is I went to my friend, my best friend's house, and he was playing Soul Edge on his oh, PlayStation. Nice. And I, when I saw the 3D fighter, because up until then, I think the only 3D fighter I'd seen was Virtua Fighter in arcades. And Virtua, the original Virtua Fighter is ugly to, mm-hmm. to look at in arcades. It's just, it's rough. But when I saw someone do a grapple move and the camera rotate around them and it, it almost became a cinematic and I'm like, oh, this is in the engine. Like they can do this. I was sold. I was hooked. I was like, I need to get one of these. Well, I mean, obviously when it launched, like, Battle Arena Toshinden fascinated me every time I'd see it in a store, and I'd, I'd run up and play it. I think my, my first standout memory of seeing a PS1 up close was, like, going over to, like, a friend of a friend's house, like, at a, a party that a friend invited me to, and, like, this kid had a PlayStation 1, like, shortly after it launched, and he, he was running Mortal Kombat 3 on it. Like, arcade-looking Mortal Kombat 3, and I just remember thinking, rich motherfucker, <laughs> fucking PS1 and your PlayStation in your house. Man, I, I'm i going to play go where the real games are. I'm a Nintendo 64 guy. Well, that's... And, and I, I lasted for about a year or two before I'm like, fuck it, I need a PS1. Did the same thing. Did the same... And what's yeah. funny is you called him the rich guy. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I could end up affording both because of the CD format. PlayStation games eventually ended up being quite inexpensive yes, if you waited long were, enough. They were especially inexpensive for me because I <laughs> bought a CD burger. <laughs> Someone oh, modified their console. Yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> I was not. CD, oh, but, it was so great. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that was my experience into into getting down the anime game, mm-hmm. like like backdrop like i remember getting a cd having a hey a friend with a mod chip and like burning dragon ball z ultimate battle 22 Jesus. and just being like oh wait they actually have drag because this was like dragon ball z had just came out in the states mm-hmm. and there weren't video games for it yet and i was like what and it, it was just such a weird we were in such a weird communal thing and it was like, it just reminds me of, like, being the early years of the internet and then Brink being on television. Like, it's a really weird mind space. Like, I just, when I think of PlayStation, I think of, like, wearing pants that are way too huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Actually, the way I bought my PlayStation is I was working in a, a retail clothing store selling, like, pants that were way too huge to people. And that's how I, I saved up enough money because I was in college when I bought my PlayStation 1 mm. and I went and... Because I had I had picked chosen sides and had my my N sixty four when that came yeah. out, yeah. So my my parents finally got me a PlayStation for Christmas one year, and it was like a Costco pack that came with Crash Bandicoot two and Bushido Blade. Oh, and I loved the shit out of those. And like I, I think PlayStation also like we were talking about the N sixty four. It occupied this interesting middle ground between the N sixty four and the Saturn, where like you had the, in the N sixty four this console that was like it was great at doing 3d it was the best at 3d mm-hmm. but it was absolutely terrible for anything two-dimensional or things like rpgs um, you know more traditional games that super nintendo hardcore players wanted and then you had the sega saturn on the other hand which was not great for 3d fantastic for 2d had mm-hmm. some of the best 2d games of the era and meanwhile here sits the playstation one in the middle which has 
pretty good 2D and pretty good 3D, not quite as good as the N64. It can do full motion video a hell of a lot better than the N64 can, and even the Saturn. So, like, people kind of went there as, like, this is where we want to produce stuff. This is where we want to make our big fancy cutscenes. In terms of graphical impressiveness, the cutscenes were where it was at in, in the 90s on oh, yeah. PlayStation. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I think when you think yeah. of Final Fantasy VII, to me, I think of those commercials that were pretty much just the cinematics from the game. You know, the game itself was quite kind of ugly. You know, oh, well, it the was characters, <laughs> the backgrounds were great, but the characters were, were pretty yeah, ugly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but same but, with Resident Evil and all those. Others. Oh yeah. yeah, but but the cinematics were great. Mm-hmm. They were great. Yeah, and of course, if you want to hear the story of how Sony got into the console business, there's other podcasts. You know, here Retronauts, I yeah. think, has a ton of episodes that will tell you that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're here just to talk about, like we typically do. The more obscure side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I was also reading, like, the, the boss of... Whoever the, the North American boss of PlayStation was at launch, I've, I can't remember his name and I can't find it right now, but uh, he had actually laid down a mandate that was sort of infamous at the time, saying, we don't want 2D games, we don't want RPGs, we, we just want 3D games that are cool and easy for people to connect with, and uh, then he left after about a year... And that opened the door for Final Fantasy VII to happen. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Like, if he had, like, you know, that that probably was important for establishing the PS1's success in uh, America and Europe, but uh, that needed to go eventually, man. Oh, I think I think Final Fantasy VII and Resident Evil 2 alone probably sold countless oh, yeah. PlayStations oh, in the I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the games that we're going to be talking about today are not your Final Fantasies or your Resident Evils. These are games that flourished on the PlayStation during its heyday and then just kind of disappeared. Yeah. They never made the jump to PS2 or PS3 or anything else. Like, they were successful at the time. Yeah. People liked them. People talked about them. But now they're just kind of, they've been over for decades. Yeah. Yeah, it's too late at this point. But mm-hmm. they were they were big at the time. Trust us on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and we traditionally begin every show with a top five, and we will get into the top five series that never made it past PlayStation right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. It. Like, I just saw the TV movie of It for the first time, like, a few years ago. Never seen it the before. TV movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you oh. obviously didn't rent it when it was on VH, like, two giant VHSs, because it was, it's really long. It was aired over two nights in, like, 1990, and that's why it's, like, it, it's, at some, at times it's, like, a really straight horror movie, then other times it, like, really pulls its punches, because it's airing on, like, ABC or some shit. And yeah, that, no, yeah, that's where I would always watch it. It would just play on cable TV. Yeah, and, and, and I saw that, and I was, and, and I was like, I really like this, except for the adult parts. Why is that there? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So when I found out they were splitting the movie in two to the adult parts, I'm like, that's a terrible idea because like this is, this is the dumbest part about the entire story outside of yeah, the, the kid that, orgy it, in the book. Yeah. So watching chapter two, I mean, I like Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> but the pacing sometimes felt off, and it wasn't really scary. Oh, and le- and let me say this. I walked out of that movie and still think I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I had a great time. Oh, yeah. I, I grabbed no, I mean, it, my like... friend's arm, his, his son's arm. We had a great fucking time. 
But when I, but I also, on further reflection, I'm like, was that terrible? And was that a horror movie? <laughs> it was and, not good. It was fun. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what soundboard? means the copy protection worked <laughs> my my ps4 boots up with that sound because i downloaded five years ago the 20th anniversary theme for playstation that oh has that. wow nice yeah. all right well let's begin with number five what this is dick dale and the deltones it is dick dale and the deltones the best playstation game ever <laughs> you might recognize this commercial if nothing else hey lady come on hit the gas <laughs> you're killing me out here jed moto 2 more tracks more control more speed take advantage of it and turn off the blinker <laughs> Little old lady playing Jet yeah, Moto yeah. Two, and she just leaves the the bike sitting at the 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 beginning of the track. And Jet Moto Man, we always talk about mm-hmm. we need more water racing games or mm. r- water and land in a weird. Well, this this yeah, this was like hover jet ski, hover jet ski, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I remember like a friend of mine, like I when I was in full N sixty four mode, was like, yeah, look at how cool wave race is, and he's like. Jet Moto lets you race on water and on land. Oh, burned you, dude. Uh, (laughs) But but I will say, Wave Race did the water physics better. Wave Race felt Mm. like you were in the water. Well, Wave Race did water physics, period. You were hovering over the water in Jet Moto, so that wasn't really a concern. It was just kind of like, here's the background you're racing over. Mm -hmm. And Mm. it was really fast. It was really cool. Do you know who developed Jet Moto? Single track, the people behind Twisted Metal. Oh wow! Yeah, mm. yeah. So for some reason, like in, as in, for some reason in my mind, it just felt like a nine eight nine game. Yeah, it, yeah. it eventually <laughs> was for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this this was like a big series on the platform. This was I feel like this was even on like the console box and stuff. Like Jet Moto was mm-hmm. big. It was it was one of their big tent poles. But um, yeah, did not really make it very far past this. I, and I wonder why. You know. Well, I think it was just like one of those things. Like I, I associate Jet Moto with the PlayStation, but it's also because it was it was on every demo disc. Mm-hmm. Like yes. each, and that's that's like I don't think I've actually played through Jet Moto all the way through, but I know I've played that demo a lot. Yeah, and we say exclusive. Like this is a little bit like the shakiest on the list, probably because this also came out for PC, but we're not really counting that. It's just, if it, if the only console it was on was PlayStation, then fine. And the rest of the series, Jet Moto 2, Jet Moto 3, were all PlayStation exclusive. Although, the third game was developed by Pacific Coast Power and Light, which sounds kind of like PG&E developed your game or something. <laughs> say the power company yeah, developed yeah. the game? Well, that was the name of the developer. There was a Jet Moto 21... 21- 24 in the works but uh it never it, it never saw the light of day it got shut down a lot of racing franchises 
just kind of didn't get past this generation. If we're, what are we calling this? The thirty-two generate thirty-two bit generation. Let's yes, yeah, the thirty-two bit generation. Uh, this is lo- the last one that people like generally used bits, the bits to describe. Yeah, but a, a lot of racing franchises. I feel like another one that. Well, I played it on the N sixty four, but uh, was it? Oh god, uh, cruise. Was it cruising San Francisco or is it cruising USA? Cruise, or are you thinking U- of San Francisco Rush? San Francisco Rush. That's the one. But yeah, there, there was a lot of those types of games. So maybe that's the thing. Is is it could just be that racing titles went on a sales downswing and Jet Moto ended up being a casualty of that? Mm-hmm. Not really sure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's very know, it's, early to it's very early polygon game. This 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 game too. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if it's just like it, maybe it was because it was one of those like weird, like yeah. I remember like in the mid to late nineties, like every sport's going to be futuristic, and it kind of just like fell off the fe- like fell off the like rails when we were just like we're not we're not really doing that anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like you can you can sort of trace this game's lineage. Like it, it occupied a similar. Thing is like Wipeout, a similar niche, yeah. and then yeah. you know that right. that went on to Roll Cage and uh, yeah. To, what was that that creepy uh, PS2 game with like the bikini girls in uh, racing armor? <laughs> or it's like we we got chicks that turn into motorcycles. <laughs> I, I have no that BMX triple X. I have no idea. It was not BMX triple X. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and you were talking about futuristic racers. If you were gonna play one of those. Wipeout eventually became what you mm-hmm. played, you know. Why? Why? Because yeah. Wipeout and Wipeout's still going strong, sort of. Right for all yeah, UK sh- listeners, yeah. sure. <laughs> I think there was an Omega collection in like 2017 or something. Yeah, I, but I think that was yeah. so, wasn't that sort of a best of. It was just rounding yeah. up. Yeah, I think I think that had like PSVR support or something. I could mm. just be talking out my ass at this point. I don't know. Yeah, Jet Moto. Jet Moto. You used a, a grappling thing to get over gaps. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and and like, it, you know, just watching videos, like I never played much past the first one, but uh, like by the time that three rolled around, it's like eh, this stuff looks like it's moving like close to sixty FPS. Like that's kind of cool on P- PS One. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know that much of us, any of us, have much to say about this, but it is weird because like this was one game that I remember everyone talking about. And, like, all my friends who had PS, who had PlayStations were like, oh, yeah, no, Jet Moto is so cool. And then it just, like, blinked out of existence. Yeah. Anyway, when mm-hmm. I watch uh, Let's Plays now, it's not that fast. You know, I think racing games got so much faster. Oh, since yeah, then. yeah, yeah. And, and so it's 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 tough to watch. You're like, oh, yeah, this seems a little bit boring, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not to litigate the PlayStation versus N64 thing again, but, like, did F-Zero X come out before or after Jet Moto? I think it might have been after. I think, like, once you see at like, because F-Zero-X is, like, a really, like, transformative, like, oh, no, here's what happens when you can just go all out. Mm-hmm. And like, it could look like, you know, like, moving through mud as opposed to, like, moving 60 frames per second and going, like, high and insane, like, speed levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Good point. Yeah, I guess F-Zero-X was 98, and uh, the first Jet Moto was 96, so... Now we know. Anyway. Number four. (laughs) 
See, I, I was kind of hoping Chris would be here to, to comment on all the squealing, but the fact that this is about a pink-haired cave boy who uh, fights okay. with pigs. Okay. <laughs> Tomba! Tomba, yes. Uh, <laughs> really weird platformer, but a very impressive like quasi-2D platformer that had 2D characters in its first outing, but like 3D backgrounds. And you could do all this cool stuff like swing on branches. You could jump into the background layer and explore there. A little, little bit of uh, early Super Nintendo game design there. And mostly you just seem to be jumping on pigs and then jumping up while grabbing them and uh, hurling them into walls. <laughs> This game, this game did get mm-hmm. a sequel, right? But only got, the one. Yes. Yeah, a sequel. Tomba Two: The Evil Swine Return. No. <laughs> Which the the sequel was like all 3D, also, and it looks really good. Like you know the the way that the camera moves around, the way that it, you know the the characters scale against the background. It was praised at the time, but it didn't sell that great, and the the team behind it, Whoopi Camp, disbanded. After its release, which is kind of sad. Well, whoopee. It's funny when you, some of the stuff you're talking about is like very like two and a half D, but I would have thought the first two and a half D platformer, I always associate it with Clonoa. Oh, I would have thought Pandemonium. Mm. Like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) horrible game. Well, I would say, okay, first good 2.5D game with mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the Clonoa series. But no, yeah, Tomba was, was doing it, dude. And it was one of those, yeah, at the time, you saw a lot of Tomba around. But yeah, it just went away very quickly. And mm-hmm. I guess sales, I don't know. It was also an age where there was a lot of mascot platformers out there. And, and Sony was oh, yeah. kind of trying on several mascots I mean, to it, see what would stick. It's no punky skunk or Jersey Devil. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Talk about things that, that deserve to stay on the PlayStation forever. Yeah. So maybe one of the yeah. reasons we saw so much Tomba is they were looking for a mascot and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna try mm-hmm. this on for size." Yeah. yeah. The sequel also added voice acting, like it was fully voiced, unlike the original, which just had like the little when people are talking, whatever. The results were kind of mixed. I don't usually see people out here, but you came at a good time. Could you help me? I'm having some problems because my fishing line got stuck over there. It seems like the float probably got stuck on something. Could you go release it? I'll give you a reward. Could you uh, release my fishing line? It's seems to be stuck on something. I'll sure will. As soon as as soon as I pull this screwdriver out of my head from going insane from that clown music that playing. That clown music plays with every fucking dialogue scene <laughs> in the was, first half of that, that game. That was painful. Yes, it's awful. Maybe that's one of the reasons it didn't sell so well. <laughs> hey, Clarence, why don't you get rid of this this pig from coming after me? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Tomba, why yeah, don't you I'd... pull on my fishing line? Maybe that'll get it to release. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize we needed to get Dollar Store Jimmy Stewart or Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart out. Here. Uh, like, was, Do- Dollar yeah, Store Don Knotts. If anything, he's he's Donler Knotts. Yeah. I think the greatest legacy this left behind was that the name sounds eerily like Timbo the Badass Elephant, and yeah. I just choose to remember that. Which is a I, I, yeah. It also sounds like Tobal. I think so. The, 
I got Tomba yeah. because I told my mom I wanted Tobal number one. Oh, <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> Which, by the way, Dave Rudden will, will uh, get upset with us if we don't mention Tobal at least once here. Tobal number one was only really a series in Japan, which got Tobal 2, which I think is one of the best-looking PlayStation games ever. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, sadly, just, just got the first game over here. I, I remember reading many a preview of Tobal 2, or of Tobal 2 in, it must have been, like, Next Magazine, or I can't remember if it was Next, Next Generation, to, Next Generation at mm-hmm, the time, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah, of, of the thing, like, yeah, you can't play this, but it's amazing. And it just, uses Gurad shading. You're going to have to look up what that is now. <laughs> and Wikipedia hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the 90s, kids. It uh-huh. sucked. Yeah. Yep. But Tomba didn't. No, Tomba was pretty good. And uh, it was it's just, yeah, a fun little platformer that uh, is is fondly remembered. Like, I, I was kind of surprised to find out, like, not only that Sony published it, but that it was a PlayStation exclusive. Like, it seems like the kind of thing that was like, yeah, you could totally imagine this being on the Saturn. But it was a cool, cool little mascot platformer, sadly left in the dust. Another one that's been left in the dust. Number three. The fifth millennium, where killing had become a way of life. The conflict had raged so long, I guess I'd forgotten how it started. All I knew was this. On one side, the League of Free Worlds. On the other, the Colonial Navy. The result? Total war. Uh, Well, since this is coming from the third game in this franchise, you can tell that the Colony Wars did not go so well. Might as well have been G-Police. I couldn't tell the two <laughs> apart. Uh, same developer. Like so you'd ever weird. heard of G-Police before I sent you those links. No, not at all. But Colony Wars I had heard of. Yeah, Colony Wars a lot of people had heard of. It was very popular at the time. It was, you know, a kind of not open-ended, but it was a space sim with branching paths. Branching paths, yeah. It was Where, a, if you failed a mission. Yeah, it was It was like Wing Commander all yeah. over again, man. You were pre-assigned ships, and then you went on these missions, and depending on how well or poorly you did, like, the story could branch. And that's a, a really cool thing that we didn't get to see enough of. This came from Psygnosis, which was a Sony first party at the time. Well, second party, second really. Party, like, yeah. yeah, Sony had bought them out. They've since become like Studio Liverpool. Or- the Wipeout guys. They're the Wipeout. Right. Are they the Wipeout guys? I guess so. And the Lemons they, guys. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. We, we talked about off mic that like every few years, space sims or space shooters have a bit of a resurgence. It's like mm-hmm. they, they never truly go away, but they'll they'll go out of vogue for several years. And this is why I'm so happy that we have Star Citizen because now we have a game that no one ever needs to play, but you can continue to just give money to yeah, it. absolutely. So you don't need to play a space sim. You can just pretend you're playing that or look forward to playing that forever. Mm-hmm. I think they could just cross the $250 million funding mark or something. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How's that thing ever going to happen? I have, like, pieces of it have come out, oh. and people seem to like what's there. But yeah, but Colony Wars, though. Colony Wars was, was again, like, sort of niche but I did think that was pretty cool. That's like, the, the narrative can take a different shape depending on, like, losing does not mean game over. It means, like, okay, now your forces have to retreat to this planet, and depending on how you do in this chapter, you will either lose the war, or you will, like, push toward a stalemate, 
or if you win all these these battles and you you don't lose and keep going like you will eventually win the war and another neat thing about these is that there were so there were three there was colony wars colony wars vengeance and colony wars three red sun and they all followed the perspective of a pilot who would narrate the the cutscenes as you went through so for example the first game had uh this guy these were the sights and sounds of history changing and shifting suddenly the league of free worlds was closing in on Saul, the home of our enemies we'd seen simulations of the system but most of us had never dreamt of ever being there now we were closing in on it the birthplace of it all yeah, closing in on the Sol system. So yeah, the, the the plot of Colony Wars is that there is this galactic empire that stretches out from Earth where like an autocratic czar like leads everybody and, and rules with an iron fist. And so the League of Free Worlds formed as a resistance and started trying to push back. And so depending on how well you do, like you can get to the point where you push the earth navy like back to the solar system and then like close off this warp gate that leaves them a shattered hulk which then sets up the sequel where you play as a pilot flying for the navy for the the quote-unquote bad guys my name mertens all my life i've lived with civil war a thief murderer now I'm with Kron. Once our people are united, we, the Navy, will break out of Sol once more. Then we can crush the League. I remember for some reason finding that, that my name, Mertens, really striking back in the day. Now it just sounds like, my name is Mertens. <laughs> well, he is with Kron, the local uh, uh, TV channel here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My wife, Kron. <laughs> My wife, Kron. <laughs> uh, I think we've just spoken about Colony Wars probably a good 10 minutes more than anyone has in the last mm. 15 years. There was also years? a lot of voice acting when you were in, in these space dogfights. They've got my access codes. Oh, they started my little destruct sequence. I can't override it. I've got to destroy the signal. What's Shaggy doing in this army? Thank you. Scoob! Scoob! He's on my tail! sequence activated. Self-destruct in three minutes. <laughs> Have a nice day, League Flyboy. And then when you disable the auto-destruct sequence, your ship says, Have a nice day. So it's a callback. To mankind. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. That's <laughs> uh, actually pretty decent voice acting for this era of games yeah yeah well i mean it's it's a british produced game so yes they kind of went the extra mile i think what are you trying to say british voice actors better than maybe no maybe a little bit we kicked their ass in a war years ago we'll do it again yeah like two centuries ago they've gotten better actors since then man that's right because they're a bunch of pretend i don't know mm-hmm. what, what a voice am i even they, doing they've Is got that... royal shakespeare company people falling out their ears they're secretly going to invade us from Canada. They still you have the queen on their money. Read mm-hmm. the signs, people. Follow the money. <laughs> Follow the money, it leads to the queen. <laughs> she was great on the crown. Uh, anyway, yeah, Colony Wars. It's a fantastic space flight series. It disappeared 
forever. Would yeah. have been better if it was about the colonies fighting against England, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the Terran navies trapped in the Sol system, it is forever trapped on PS1. Did not even make it onto PS1 Classic. Better call the Sol system. Yeah, better call them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Number two. have that labeled as jumping kill what is this <laughs> this game uh, this was so robot 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 bunny rabbit the robot robot uh yeah this is jumping flash mm-hmm. the according to the guinness book of world records i believe this is the first fully 3d platformer ever it beat mario and uh lara croft to the punch by like a year but also, it was first person, and so it's yeah. the first like true three D first person platformer, it, which many games still can't do well yeah, to this day. It might be the only three D game of its era to be in first person and handle platforming right, because it had that thing where like you jump really high, you can look down, and that that overhead view lets you line up your jumps a little better. Yeah. Unlike say. Turok on N64 where you have to jump across <laughs> fucking rocks in the middle of a lava yeah. pool and it's really hard to look down and you ju- will just keep dying. Well, it, it not only can you look down, it makes you look down. It automatically yes. looks down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in right. it, so in in this game you play Robert the robot, Robert, Robert the rabbit. Oh robot. wait, I have I have the intro from the first yeah, game okay, here that okay. sets up Robert. So the diabolical Professor Aloha is, uh, or Doctor Aloha <laughs> is is hatching an evil scheme. A giant robot has seized a peaceful world and carried it off. Aloha's evil plan is to turn it into a huge private retreat for himself. Universal City Hall, here to help the people. Robert can do the job. Let's go, Robert. Jump and go. Kind of feel like this wasn't very heavily localized from Japanese. Hey, hey, hey there, my name is Dr. Aloha. My name means both hello and goodbye. Yes. I'd like to sing a song called Tiny Bubbles for you right now, if you don't mind. Also, he's like a, a stock German uh, mad scientist villain. My name is the Dr. Aloha. That's closer, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, is Dr. Aloha the like the middle devolution of Dr. of uh, of Eggman? It's Dr. Robotnik, then Dr. Aloha, then right. Eggman. Sure. He, sure. he goes yeah. on vacation. <laughs> uh-huh. Comes back a different change person. Goes on vacation to a different series, <laughs> yeah. Jumping Flash. You uh, haven't lived until you've seen the North Shore, brah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Sonic, you will call me Dr. Aloha this time. So okay, so look, Jumping Flash uh-huh. is the, the cliche ahead of its time gets thrown around a lot, but this game actually was really ahead of its time, but it's not like... Usually when you hear that term, it means, oh, this thing maybe wasn't that good, and people just... Or maybe it was good for the time, but people didn't realize it was good. It's like, no, this game did exactly what it set out to do, and mm-hmm. did it very it well. It jumped, and it flashed. <laughs> yes. But it was... Right. The, but the it, flash it was, refers to people being able to see Robert's genitals as he's jumping on them. <laughs> but it is, it is a 3D... <laughs> first person platformer that works and when was the last time that happened it doesn't happen Think very of it. rarely it took until mirror's edge to really yeah. get a first person 3d platform i think uh, a reckless yeah. disregard for gravity did it pretty well but yeah it's, uh, <laughs> but but i also want to say in this series defense by the time jumping flash 2 rolled out the quality of the localized writing and voice acting had improved dramatically the Baron returned to his home away from home to rejuvenate from a recent beating he took at the hands of the feet of that heroic battle buddy known as Robert. 
He was in the process of inventing a better, stronger, more absurd way to overthrow the universe when little Moo is visited by a stranger. In fact, there is nothing stranger in the universe than the creature known only as Captain Kabuki. Tipping the scales in a whopping 220 bazillion tons, he uses a kung fu grip larger than metropolitan Chicago to shred little Moo and add it to his fantastic collection of bottled wonderlands. That's right. It's Baron Aloha. Baron, of but, course. But yes, the, at the, his defeat at the hands of the feet of the heroic Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when that music, yeah, when that music started playing, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is what it's like to take ecstasy." Oh. <laughs> well, if you just look at the cover of this mm-hmm. game, it is the it's a weird looking box art. You know, I mean, it's, it's a weird yeah. looking series. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a giant is. robot yeah. that just stomps on random aliens and robots. Well, and, and the levels too are just like these seemingly like random assortments of things of platforms to jump on mm-hmm. and things enemies floating in the air. Like it doesn't seem like there's a ton of rhyme or reason to them, other than all right, let's just put something cool in the sky. And and I think you got was it three jumps? It was like a triple jump to be able to reach there, and you can jump high in this game. It's oh it's, yeah. It's like it's like the jetpack of destiny or something. It's like you can you can get up there, but uh, yeah, this game is fun and fine. Mm-hmm. You can shoot. It was, it was never too. disorienting. Yeah, it was never disorienting. Like I, I remember, like other 3D platformers, like Bubsy 3D, which physically made me sick mm-hmm. to play. Well, mm-hmm. there might be other reasons for that, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it just like but. Jumping Flash didn't feel like that. I don't, it yeah. just it felt right, which is really weird to say. Mm-hmm. It, and I don't know if you could replicate Jumping Flash right now. Well, and so this is the one entry on this list so far, though, that I I know exactly why it stayed on the PlayStation One because this this game was created for a very specific reason and purpose. It was to be a technical showcase of the PlayStation's 3D capabilities. Mm-hmm. In fact, like in its development, it, it started as just a demo of, of a, of a tech demo that they eventually morphed into a full game. Right. I can totally believe that. But after the PlayStation one era, it's like, well, okay, people know we can do 3d and first person 3d stuff. Now there's no point that, there's really no no point in continuing the series. There's no what what other stories are you going to tell past that point? You know, they they would have had to really evolve it into being something more and something better and different and it's mm. like, no, it served its purpose. It showed that we can do this and do it well. And and a lot of other games and ton of other games have borrowed from what that game did, but on its own, it's like, nah, it doesn't need to be a thing anymore. At least in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not a thing anymore. Even though Jumping Flash 2's ending strikes a very hopeful note. And as for our hero, Robert is off to new adventures in a cosmos crazy enough to need a high-octane, multidimensional, heroic Robo-Bunny. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah. That cosmos turns out to be Japan, because only Japan got Robert Mondieu, the third game in Jumping Flash. <laughs> It's a it's a silly game and a silly series, and I'm kind of sad that it it never made the uh, colossal jump to any other uh, platform. I see what you did there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Although you know, if you count like PlayStation classics, or it was on the PlayStation, the PlayStation Classic, actually. So both of you who own that, congratulations! Mm-hmm. 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 I was actually trying to play it a bit on the PlayStation Classic when you came in. It's- uh, you could, I think you can find that thing for like $20 on sale. Now. You could at one point. Then yeah. I, I think it might have been discontinued because I was looking on Amazon. It's like, wait, how much is this now? It's like, yeah, $40. Uh, like, oh, it's climbed back up. Damn it. <laughs> 
I bought it at 30 and I'll stick with that. Yeah, uh, hey, that's, good. that's a deal right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Jumping Flash is so amazing. What could possibly be... I'll tell you. <laughs> now, all the rest of the titles on this list have been first or second party games published by Sony. I think this might have actually been published by Sony, but it was developed by Square. Yes. And what is this game? Bushido Blade. Bushido Blade. The one game that everybody keeps saying, when are they going to make a new one? Probably never. Yeah. <laughs> At this rate, they made Bushido <laughs> Blade 2. Nobody bought it. The end. I bought it. I played it. Yeah, I did too. It was way more action-y than one, or just way more of a what you would expect from a fighting game and not mm-hmm. this one-hit Sword, you know, I mean, combat it, it simulator. Still had that. It did, but yeah, it, like they they had very different feels. So Bushido Blade One, if you played it, uh, was a seem a deceptively simple game that hid a lot of depth. Yeah, and like you could play it as a straight up fighter and be like, why am I just killing all these people in the same setting? And it's because you lazy fuck, you haven't been running away from the fight and discovering that this fighting arena that you start in is part of a huge open world. I remember the stress of running away during the fight and hoping they wouldn't catch up to me so that mm-hmm. I could keep exploring the world. Yeah, yeah. And like there's a bamboo forest where you can cut down trees. Mm-hmm. And the the ideal way to play this is to... Like, so everybody knows Bushido Blade, one hit and you're dead. But if you were skillful enough, you could wound an opponent. You Mm -hmm. could hit them in the arm and disable, partly disable them from fighting. You could hit them in the leg and they'd have to scoot around on one leg. And uh, the same could happen to you, obviously. But if you disabled your opponent and like by disabling a leg and running away, you could like make it to this well and skip ahead to the bosses without like killing your uh your teammates quote unquote like the 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 plot of this game is that like you are a defector from a school of assassins mm-hmm. and so all of your classmates all your friends are coming after you and you need to either kill them or cripple one of them and run away there are secret bosses to unlock there was a slash mode where you had to fight a hundred fucking ninjas without dying once and uh, they would keep making this sound I have no idea what that is is and like I heard, I heard it so much I heard it so, so much. fucking much I trying just... to unlock Schwarzakatze and I never could ah man Am I misremembering? I just feel like one of the ending cinematics was your guy was committing. What's that called when you stab yourself with the dagger? And it's the called seppuku, seppuku, and I actually you. have a clip. Mm-hmm. This is the bushy door. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I really feel like so Bushido Blade Two comes out. Among the things that they do are they take away, like, the original game had the Japanese voice acting, which I think really lent to the flavor of that game. And Bushido Blade 2 
just dubbed everyone over so it's gone from being like this cool samurai epic to just anime and you get shit like Cone, are you alright? A newcomer. State your purpose. <laughs> there are many enemies ahead. I'll Ooh. help. A nuke? <laughs> Highwayman. Is it a Scottish it? person? You help He's me. Irish. <laughs> yes, I am a newcomer, but I'm very skilled. <laughs> At what? Making whiskey? You'll just get in my way. You doubt me so much? Then let me show you. So that okay. is Highwayman, Bushido ah. Blade 2, who's the obvious, like, tuxedo mask looking variation on the first game's Black Lotus, who was the Dread Pirate Roberts. I see. TL, from, did, did from you hear this Princess fucking Bride. guy reveal something about himself, though? He said it turns into anime because this motherfucker, he goes dubs over subs, dude. Weak, Michael, weak. For me, the hey. Japanese version was more anime, Michael, because I go oh, subs I over dubs. Yeah. Well, hey, it's more American look, anime. It, it, was, it was the 90s. Not everyone <laughs> yeah. was pirating like anime. Yeah. Here's the thing, Matt. You <laughs> did not have to deal with the incredible cost of buying a subtitled VHS when a dubbed one was only $20. <laughs> oh, I dealt with uh, okay. Much like yeah. how you got all your PlayStation games, Michael. Mm-hmm. I had ways of getting oh, anime I back see, then. I see, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but-, no, but no, but you were talking about, like, I think part of the charm and part of the reason I so fondly remember Bushido Blade 1 was the Japanese-ness of it. Like, mm-hmm. it was so Japanese, yes. dude. And it was like, and it could have been cheesy, and I never would have known. And that was okay, because I'm just like, holy shit, I'm, I'm getting to play a samurai. And these guys have, like, anime moments where they do, they do the stare down with each other, and they, mm-hmm. they fucking talk, and then they just stab each other. It's amazing. Yeah, it was it was totally like a samurai movie, where it's like, yeah, the first person who lands a hit is probably going to win, and the first person who makes a move is probably going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Bushido Blade 2, I think, made a lot of adjustments to the gameplay. Like, you still had the one-hit kills. But you had a lot of new fighting styles. I think my favorite was the, um, what's it called? The sheath sword style where, like, they, they keep it sheathed and then they, like, draw and kill in one hit. Yeah, just the flashing, like, typical yeah. anime thing. Of, it had, like, a, it had, like, multi-level, more multi-leveled environments to run around in. It had throwing weapons. It had, uh, Tony Umeda, the, uh, the, the guy with the purple suit and the afro who, uh. Yeah, it, it, Yeah. It was embarrassingly translated and dubbed. Like, so, some of the editions I appreciated, and others I'm like, why? What are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. why? Because Bushido Blade 1 was so serious. Yeah. Bushido Blade 2 expanded it into, like, there are these two schools of assassins that are at war with each other, the uh, Narukagami and the Shinto. And the Shinto are the, the new ones, and, like, I remember like playing it in Japanese first and thinking like, oh, they're the bad guys. And I was like, well, no, they're they're not really the bad guys. In fact, you might say they're the good guys, depending on your perspective. But uh, depending on which faction you played as, like you would go through different opponents and you would face a different boss at the end. And like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. Nice again with nice. the branching paths. Yeah, mm-hmm. really good game. Do, I, I don't know what a new one would look like. Everyone talks about they need yeah. to make remake Bushido Blade. I'm like, what? And do what? Yeah. Well, I just like the, okay. So they they tried to make a couple games that were similar to Bushido Blade, like Kengo on PS2, like an early PS2 game, was hailed as like this is the spiritual successor to Bushido Blade. It's the same team, but you know what sucked about Kengo? You didn't have any one hit kills. 
you were you were just like a dueling samurai and uh it's like the 18th century or something and you have to shave your head and uh participate in these honor duels and you're doing damage with a blade instead of just killing someone outright that kind of sucks like what they need is something with that level of tension and depth and just like this is a game that you can explore on your own or you can play it with a friend and like there's just something endlessly fun about like this is all about psyching each other out until someone makes a move and then you just land that lucky hit that wins the match instantly like that that that's Bushido Blade at its best which what game is is Sports Friends has that one mode that's mm. basically Bushido Blade it's the, it's the the sword fighting mode where it's it is like you land the hit and one huh. thing Interesting. so maybe maybe that's the, that's the true spiritual success yeah. Uh, Bushido Blade also had one of the best commercials of the PlayStation 1 generation. Not everyone can be a samurai warrior. <laughs> Not everyone can live by the power of the sword. Not everyone can die with honor. I, for example, make kazoos. Throws this metal kazoo on a giant pile of metal kazoos. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm really glad that Aku got more work right before yeah. he decided to throw Jack into a time portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that is the same actor. It certainly sounds like. <laughs> Wait, is it, it? It can't be Mako. Well, Mako would still have been alive. That couldn't have been Mako. Eh, probably uh, not. I, I don't it might have been Mako the guy who would have rep- done something like that. It could have been the guy who replaced Mako after his death. Hmm. Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's been our top five PlayStation exclusives that never made it off PlayStation 1 generation. We've had plenty that have made it past then, but not many that just stayed there and, and never moved on. Happy quarter century, PlayStation. Yeah, you're making me feel old. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> what Go rent a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, you can rent a car. The weird, the most arbitrary age thing ever is like, oh, how old do you have me to rent a car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Voting, whatever. Drinking, fine. Rent a yep, car? Yep. Oh, you're fucking with that. So on that note, uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. Tackle Thread, Metal Gale Solid, Resident Evil, Gran Turismo, Omega Boost, Bloody Raw, X-Files, all over the world. Come on, Red Friends of our world, we get a lemon, the game on the PlayStation. Let's get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, five, five, four sequels and three straight-to-video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually pretty fun. I like that. I've always liked Jason Biggs, and I can't even remember what the pie scene is because... Oh, he fucks it. No, no, yes. (laughs) I recall... But uh, I his penis. But I saw both move the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has if you watched 
you watched it more on DVD, you have a different fucking scene. So what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like, I've kind of blocked that out. Did his dad come in and he has the pie plate over his crotch? I think so, yeah. So in the unrated, unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it. Oh. (laughs) Missionary style. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Can you do doggy with a pie? (laughs) I mean, not if you're the giver. Uh, Bend it over the fireplace. (laughs) But you could do reverse cowgirl. Reverse it, it's round. (laughs) The pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess, yeah, the the pie plate is its underwear. (laughs) That thing is all but. (laughs) Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back and wasting no time dragging our feet as I slowly push this button in dread. We don't have another 25 years, we'll Michael. Talk about when we talk about the... These are the new releases. They are releasing new releases. These are the new releases. Everybody them. Phoenix Point is a game coming up for the on the Epic Game Store for PC. Ah, yes. It is by one of the creators of the original XCOM. Like, not, not the XCOM that you have all been playing for the last several years, mm-hmm. making your friends. Mm-hmm. The original XCOM UFO Defense from the 90s. And uh, I've played a little bit of it, admittedly only about 20 minutes, so the tutorial, basically. But it carries over, uh, like, it feels a lot like XCOM, but at the same time it carries over a lot of elements from the earlier XCOM, where, like, your agents can pick up stuff that they find on the ground, like they can open item caches, or presumably pick up enemy bodies at some point, because if they can't, what's even the point of that? Uh, <laughs> it sounds a bit like, uh, remember when Wasteland split off from Fallout? Like, yeah, like, it's kinda, a bit like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, instead of aliens, you're fighting crab people who've been uh, crab me- people. mutated crab. by the, the alien Pandora virus. Uh, like, oh, all the crabs became aggressive, and then thousands of people at a time started walking straight into the ocean, and then they reemerged as hostile shelled aliens wasn't with that guns. Epi- wasn't that an episode of South Park? I guess. Yes, yes, crab, crab people. people. Crab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TL, you remember that episode? No, I don't watch South Park. TL, what has happened to your voice? <laughs> it seems to be different somehow. Wait a minute. You're not TL at all, are you? Mm. Aha, it's me! It's Kayla Zumbaum. That's right. Also of the PNB Podcast Network, tagging in for TL. That was very naturally right. handled, Matt. Well done. <laughs> yes, I try. I try. Wasn't a bit or anything. No, no, no. Wasn't just going off the cuff at all. Totally wrote and rehearsed that with Kayla for a good 10 minutes. Nice. You blew it, Kayla. You fucked up your lines. We went over this. It's not her fault. Don't you dare blame her. <laughs> Thank Eat you for shit. tagging in. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I always do. Thank you for being our emergency guest. Yes, and tagging in for TL. You're welcome. That was amazing. I love, but I love having two PMB folks. So you get two plugs at the end of the show, hmm. but only That's two. Right. Anything over All two? Right, and no, we got what it. Out. What does it stand for? Peanut butter? Podcast and bullshit. Ah, of course. That's right. Course. It's super classy, guys. TL yeah. brings the bullshit. Uh-huh. Kayla brings the podcast in. Nice. That's oh, right. Wow. I host it. Wish we'd had you. I for wrangle the first my half. internet sons. <laughs> <laughs> Could so, have had a more professional thing. <laughs> so Phoenix Point is is now does it have this is gonna sound bad, but I don't mean it in a bad way. 
does it have a bit of like older game sensibility because it is the original XCOM and not kind of the rebooted well, revised I mean, version? Well, I mean, in that it feels less streamlined. Yeah. The, the basic gameplay, like there is a little bit more depth to it, Fid- I want to say. Fiddly bits? More fiddly f- bits. More fiddly bits. Like you can't just go into Overwatch and automatically shoot anything that goes into your agent's line of sight. You have to set the angle of the Overwatch and the distance Oh, then no. oh, which is fun. like you, you. Yeah. So you, you basically just have like a little radius that you can adjust and say like, all right, I want anything that wanders into this cone to yeah. be shot at. Just like that little thing on my sprinklers. If I just turn it a certain way, it Kinda. changes where the water points. Yeah. I got gotcha. you a little bit. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's it's not it's not as complicated as I just made it sound. Okay, but um, you're spraying bullets instead of mm-hmm. water. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but what I, what I've played so far is uh, is pretty fun. Very cool. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, Obviously, a slower release time for us. I think the only other big release that none of us have played was was Darksiders Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen this game. Play. Darksiders for Genesis. Got it. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Taking it back. That's literally what I thought. Yeah. I was like, did somebody in Brazil make a Darksiders port on the Genesis? No, no. This is the top-down, asymmetrical... Hack and slashy Darksiders. Um, actually, I mm. I saw a lot of this game at E3 because they they had the demo pod right behind the Remnant pod. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, I did see quite a bit of this game. Everything I'm reading review-wise is it's very solid. Everyone says it's very fun. Um, I think you could go in with maybe the perception that it's like Darksiders light because of the perspective and stuff. But everyone said, no, no, it, it, it definitely has that Darksiders identity. So if you are a Darksiders fan, I always like when, when people kind of do brand extensions and, and try different genres or, or, you know, points of view of, of a game series. So why not? You know, Hmm. so you're playing as strife in this one, the, uh, the, uh, as yet unseen fourth horseman. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and war, I think, is, is mentioned in the, the description here. Like, I, d- I didn't even know about this until we started recording. So <laughs> that's. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard. I've, I've heard of it. That is not that's, a good that's sign how for the game. My radar is right now because I'm just like, okay, Genmu 3 came out. We're done with new releases for the year. Oh, Phoenix Point. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 No Darksiders Genesis. Oh, no. see, I totally dropped off at like Outer Worlds. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. That's. When that happened, I was like, okay, we're good. Bye. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's that's it for all okay. the new releases this right. week for the biggies. Well, let's move on to... I am so bummed that Chris could not join us for this episode mm, because this next story would be right up his alley and it would give me a chance to do the Hollywood segment. VGA Hollywood segments. Hey, Michael, you know, Chris is a huge fan of a little movie we call Starship Troopers. Sure. You like wow. that movie? Kayla, you like that movie? Everyone likes that movie. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw it in theaters with my dad and my uncle. Because uh, my dad was a huge fan of that book. Well, you know how that movie is full of just tons of action and soldiers dying. Which mm-hmm. way in that? And veiled critique yeah. of fascism. Yes. Yeah. How would you like to play? Yeah. How would you like to play a video game version of that? Eh. Oh man, it's going to be an RTS. How, how would you like to play an RTS video game <laughs> version of that? 
feel like the Figured. time for that yep. was in the 90s when they had that Starship Troopers TV series. I, I feel like the time for that was around when Starship Troopers released, or the original. Or when it was popular, just in general. <laughs> not not the many, <laughs> many direct-to-video sequels that the series has undergone. But... And yet, no. Uh, there, there is a another. There's a new Starship Troopers game on the way, and it's an RTS. And actually, as RTSs go, looks fun. Looks fine. You squish okay. a lot of bugs. Big bugs. I mean, that was basically Starcraft. So yes, in, yeah, indeed. It's yeah. it, it looks no. Very literally, Starcraft is like heavily seems heavily inspired by the book. It looks very Zerg rushy, but mm. you're you're killing waves and waves of insects. Hmm. So why not? All right, sure. So is Casper Van Dien one of the heroes or generals and screams at you? Well, yeah, he's got to do something. Not, Kayla, you know. This, this, oh god, this well, is his bread and butter at this point. Shitty at everything else he does. <laughs> this is, <laughs> but and yet, yeah, he is. He is Starship. He is the Starship Trooper at this mm. point. I think I went to a, a panel, maybe with him at like WonderCon one year what? for for Starship Troopers three, okay. where he was talking about like no Starship Troopers two was basically filmed inside of a closet. This one we're doing right, and then I don't know that they did. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you were cast. I think it was filmed in a cubicle yeah yeah, yeah. so bigger bigger space yeah, it's an upgrade yeah yeah upgrade. i mean cgi it's, it's a step it's, in the right direction yeah. say all the critics sure <laughs> literally one step because that's as far as you can move out the door <laughs> starship troopers 3 it's the most starship troopers ish movie mm-hmm. since starship troopers 2 no i'm i'm interested to see more about the rts because i'm sure that'll be that could be really good yeah looks fun yeah all right, we'll talk about things that we have fond memories of, folks. We have fond memories of Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. I personally have fond memories of going to Toys R Us stores. Yeah. Growing up as a kid. I worked at a Toys R Us. What? Oh. Excuse fuck, fuck me? That place. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry. Do you have terrible Yu-Gi-Oh card stories? Yes. You do? Oh, you too? <laughs> I do. I do. Oh, no. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in a town that had a Toys R Us. We had to travel very far to find a Toys R Us. So going to one was always like a very special treat for me. You only had FAO Schwartz and, uh, we, and, we had and like, KB Toys. We had a, a shitty place called Toys Galore that later became a KB uh-huh. Toys. That was it. Oh, man. man. Uh, my town had the first Toys R Us in our Metroplex. Wow. Uh, yep. And it was the oldest one before they all shut down. Well, they all shut down in 2017. But guess what? They're not dead. They are coming back. Much like the Atari VCS, they are coming back. <laughs> In a uh. different form. So, uh, yeah, Toys R Us is set to open the first two new locations since the 2017 bankruptcy. There's a, The first store is in the upscale Garden State Plaza Mall in Paramus, New Jersey, or Paramus, New Jersey. And then the second is going to be in the Galleria Mall in Houston, Texas. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are the first of 10 new locations planned to be up and running by the end of next year. Um, it's not the Toys R Us you remember, though. It's not the big the big box store, if you will. These are these are smaller footprints. Uh, they're in malls. They they have, like, kid height shelves. They have, like, themed spaces themed to their brands. Like, they have the Paw Patrol space and the Nerf space and, and the Nintendo space. Mm-hmm. So valid. So this actually sounds like a, a pilot program that Toys R Us did in, oh, God, nine years ago. Their Toys R Us Express stores where they're uh, smaller, yes. like, pop-up stores. Yes. I ran one of those. Okay. Um, for, like, I think it was the second year they did that. The other stuff that they're trying in this is they're they're trying – it's going to be more of an experiential store. Like there's going to be meet and greets with Jeffrey 
the giraffe. There, there's like um. a replica treehouse, movie theaters in the stores. And then – so you know, obviously one of the reasons Toys R Us shut down was it became really tough to compete with the likes of Amazon and on, online retailers. You sure. Know? Um, so these also st- really difficult to operate under venture capital. Yeah, that there's that too. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. e- equity capital. Equi- thank you. Yes, yes. That was but, it. The, yeah. but these stores are only set to hold around 1,500 items themselves, and then they will have kiosks where you can order other items that aren't in that store online. And those, at least for now, are going to be fulfilled by Target. So, hmm. kind of a partnership there. Interesting. So, uh, I am from the retail area. That's where. I make my bread and butter. This sounds like a whole bunch of uh, this. List, this sounds exactly like there are some other stores that are doing this, like Office Depot, Office Max, where they're scaling down their operations yeah. um, and taking back space uh, to make the small the stores more manageable. Yep, capital consumer. It's it's what GameStop like is. We've talked about GameStop is has a series of concepts they're experimenting with right yeah. now to see what sticks and what people like. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's kind of like and, – and I think this all sort of started with Apple stores really where hmm. it's like, hey, we're not – It's this isn't just a place where you have stuff shelves full of things. It's more being in the store as its own little experience. Yeah, it's an experience. Yeah. That's, yeah. If you're an Apple store, it's fucking shitty. It's, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Nope. No thanks. Can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. But uh, hey. I don't have an Apple. I don't know. Anything, but I, I mean, so. dude, I was really sad when Toys R Us closed and because my kids were sad. And so the fact that Toys R Us could come back in some small way, shape or form, I – hey, let's give it a shot. You know, I can't wait to try it out if they open one in a mall near me. Why not? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So I came from that. I came from Toys R Us and I knew – I still knew people who worked at Toys R Us when it got shut down. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so – like those people had been there literally for decades. So when this happened, I I believe a f- a, many of them tried to get severance. Um, like they were gonna sue for severance and stuff like that, which should have happened. Anywho, fucking ugh. Um, but it probably didn't happen because you know they just got let go. Like, ta-da! Here you are. You're out of a job. Yeah. And they've they've literally grown in that area. Like Toys R Us, if you if you go through a, a Christmas at Toys R Us, man, you you stuck it out and you you kept going. You got the scars to prove it. Yeah, you see uh, this? Yeah, I worked overnights. You see like, these burns? I didn't see the sun for three months. This is battery acid from AA batteries from Teddy Ruxpins. <laughs> I got scars, Nine man. Nine volts from your power wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody great. just wants to buy the display model because it's five dollars cheaper. <laughs> Oh, we didn't even do that. You see these marks? This is from when I hooked an RC car up to my testicles and then started running the back. <laughs> what kind of toy store did you work at? <laughs> the best kind, Michael. Bring it back. The toy store of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they could succeed. They could not. Yeah, well, the fact that they're just trying to come back in knee form is like, yeah. It might not work this first attempt, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I would be excited to get a Toys R Us back there because it does. It feels like something's missing, especially holiday season. It's Christmas time, and there's no mm-hmm. toys. Yeah. There's no like dedicated there's no toy place store. To be yeah. Utterly mod by clueless grandparents <laughs> wandering slowly in circles. Just those few or toy people aisles. screaming at you for a certain color of a certain mm, thing yes. that only comes in 
one package of that color in a box of 30 and then they get mad at you Man. then they shake your ladder because they're so upset uh, and they start crying i see right. i see we you guys get you and brett elston together on a show PTSD. just to talk about yeah, yeah your, toys your toys r us war stories also i hope they make new jeffrey the giraffe costumes because those things are at least 40 to 50 pounds Oh, uh, and if you are in them for an hour, it reeks wow. of sweat. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's awful. Man, I mean, I could talk about my Blockbuster days as well. Another <laughs> defunct chain. So. I worked at Office oh, Max during Christmas. Oh, is man. the most depressing experience of my life. <laughs> Other Max than reading obituaries every day for a year. Oh, man. <laughs> Come into Office Max. We have gifts. I promise. Yeah. No, no, no. You don't. You don't. Do. You don't know what the the abyss of humanity looks like until you've seen someone show up on Christmas Eve asking, like, oh, "Do you guys got those organizers? I want to just do all my shopping here, and I want to get that for my son." Oh, you've been to my store, huh? Yeah. Or showing up at ten yeah, a.m. with vodka breath. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally happened to me. Mm-hmm. Or they yeah. get mad because their their Christmas letters don't exactly fit in one page mm-hmm. of that stupid border dumbass paper that's Hollies and bullshit so they have to buy another one of 50 just so they can make 60 copies because they didn't format it correctly hello yes (laughs) I've got stales retail can be a nightmare we should all just become Mario Maker pros because there's a new update to Mario Maker 2 oh and this one adds I think one of the coolest power ups the series has ever had Mm -hmm. the Master Sword power up and guess what that power up does it turns you into Link it does and not only are you it's not like you're just like a Link skin on Mario. Yeah. So uh, push my glasses up. I okay. pulled them down just so I could pu- push them up at okay, this point. Okay, please do. Uh, you could technically play as Link in the first Super Mario Maker if you had the amiibo and you scanned it and you could turn it into a Link power. But it was really just a skin. Right. Like this is an actual – like yes. it turns you into Link and it transforms the gameplay and you can build entire levels around this. Yes. Somebody said like this is my favorite like Link's Awakening thing. It's like, yeah, it looks like the side-scrolling bits from Link's Awakening. Yeah. You get a sword. You get the shield. Oh, fun. Uh-huh. You get bombs. Yeah. You and get, you get your bow. Yeah. And you can shoot the bow in three different directions. Yes. And, and you can okay, use it to like great. collect coins and stuff. Yeah. I haven't touched Mario Maker in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so they also announced in addition to this, there's it's getting a new mode, uh, a ninja speedruns mode. Oh yeah, that looks neat. It looks neat, but also, like, what game was it? I think it was the mobile Mario that. So basically, you're competing with the ghosts of other players in these speedruns, mm-hmm. and all the ghosts, kind of like in Trials when you do speedruns, yeah, yeah, the yeah. ghosts are little ninjas. But I was like trying to watch the video of this happening, and I was like getting distracted, and I could not focus on Mario. I'm like, there's like yeah. a million ninja around. You know what, him it, right what now. it looks like? It looks like when you beat a Super Meat Boy level, and yes. you just see all your ghosts like running through at the same time. Yes. It's like that, but with a Mario. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That'll be interesting to mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I, I, I love. I love speedruns. Well, I love anything that shows like uh, the ghosts of other players, like the asynchronous, you know, kind mm-hmm. of com- yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. thing. That's great to me because it, it's like you never really know how good you are at something until that shows you and just hands your shit to you and goes no you are terrible at this game sir finally it's been a while but we're getting some new games to the switch online service i have that for free and i haven't touched it in ages is it for free or did you pay your 20 and yeah it just feels free no i I have twitch prime oh okay yeah you got that free yeah that's right you took advantage of that so here's the here's the games that are coming so we're getting star fox 2 Super Punch Which is Out on the SNES Classic. Yes, as is Super Punch Out, Kirby Superstar, and Breath of Fire Two. 
In addition to that, Journey to Silius and Crystallis will be available Ooh. on the NES Classic. So, yeah, we're getting six new games for the service, four SNES titles. It's one of those things where I'm like, man, it's been a while since they had any new games on the service, and there were no new SNES games since that launched, you know? Yeah. So. Well, like Star Fox 2, you, you previously had to buy an SNES Classic to play that legally, and an uh, interesting bit of trivia on Journey to Silius, it was originally developed as a Terminator game, but mm. uh, but yeah, they, they couldn't secure the license, so it was Journey to Silius instead. Oh, that's silly. And if you play it, you can see like, yeah, this is totally a Terminator game. <laughs> Um, and then final, final bit of news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony went on record this week and said they they just confirmed something I think we all suspected, that PlayStation is no longer interested in making handheld consoles. They are officially out of that business. Yeah, well, they've been second place twice. It's like, why compete with Nintendo and all phones? Yeah. <laughs> like... Yes, yes. And the thing is, I mean... Nintendo is proving with the Switch, and especially the Switch Lite, which is selling like crazy. In fact, the Switch set a U.S. sales record for Black Friday week in terms of console sales. But uh, yeah, uh, you can do it. But Sony's president and CEO, or president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Jim Ryan, he recently confirmed to Game Informer, um, for it was in a feature looking back on the 25-year history of PlayStation. He was, you know, remembering the Vita, uh, remembering things like the PSP. And he confirmed, he's like, yeah, the Vita was brilliant. So here's his quote. PlayStation Vita was brilliant in many ways, and the actual gaming experience was great, but clearly it's a business that we're no longer in now. So, yeah, they just uh, would rather be in their primary console business. And fine. Looking forward to the PS5. Mm -hmm. Next year, man. Yeah. You know what? I I looked up uh, The Onion had a story like back in 2002, 2003 that was about Ghosts of Christmas Past shows uh children playstation 5 and it's like this will be out by 2016 you'll be an old man by then oh man <laughs> it feels so weird <laughs> look back at the predictions of a satire site yeah they're off just a little bit just a, a few years yeah not, not, not too bad not as far as we thought it's kind of like every time you see a political headline and then you have to double take and go oh wait this is not the onion great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wonderful it's just the hell world that we live yes in. it is mm-hmm. What fun. Yeah. All right. That's all the news is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting, segmenting our community. community. Uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what crowdfunded project have you backed and absolutely loved? Uh, Kayla, you weren't here last week. Has there been one that you you ponied up for and then it was great? Yeah. Uh, I, I've only done like three uh, and none of them were video Holy. games. Wow. Okay. Uh, 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 I actually did one for some friends uh, that have a podcast in Minnesota. They were going to make a zombie movie. Um, and they made it. And they made it in their hometown of Merrill, Wisconsin. And the whole town showed up and did extras and stuff like that. And that watching that movie was absolutely hilarious. It's, it's so funny. You become a zombie by eating some weird-ass mushroom pizza. Nice. Uh at the local pizza place. No, I just get uh, diarrhea. Hands down. <laughs> yes. Uh, the podcast is called Super the Hardest. Okay. They're great. That's a great name. Um, the Yeah. The guy who directed it, he actually died a few years ago. Oh, no. Um, yeah, Hilden. He was the best. Uh, but it 
it is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. They they really poured their heart and soul into that movie. It's super funny. Uh, and then, yeah, that would that would it hands down the best thing I ever spent money on. Nice. Are you in the credits ever? Uh no, I don't think I gave them a whole lot because I was working for Toys R Us and Dirt Poor. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Mm, all those all those Yu Gi Oh cards. Uh-huh. Gonna die. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, people stop fucking stealing those and shoving the wrappers down the toilet. That'd be great. <sighs> um. <laughs> I wish I'd gone to your Toys R Us. The one that the last one that I went to, I, I I still tell this story that I went in looking for like Castlevania Order of Ecclesia, and I was like, "Yeah, can I get the new Castlevania?" And he's like, "What is it?" And like, "Order of Ecclesia," and like, "No, what's Castlevania?" <laughs> God damn it! I will cut you. <laughs> Except you're behind that. You're behind that plastic. I had a guy ask me for the original Duke Nukem. Because he saw the poster of Duke Nukem Forever. Wow. And thought we actually sold the original Duke Nukem. Like the original shareware Duke Nukem 1? (laughs) Or like 3D? To be fair. Probably 3D. Sometimes in my Toys R Us, I would see like 10-year-old games still on the shelf. Yeah. Wouldn't be. Yes, I understand. But I was just like, what the... Like... Get out of here. Don't you that have some in the back? Old. <laughs> he's like, and then he points to the thing. I'm like, that game isn't out yet. And he's like, oh. What you should have done Sorry, is dude. handed him a dollar and gone, shake it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, that would have been funnier because he was a fat man in no. just overalls and that's it. Oh, no, of wait. course. <laughs> what? What state is this? Texas. Uh, of course. Was of course. Hillbilly Jim yeah. shopping at your local Toys R Us? Was, was he by any chance wearing a frayed straw hat as well? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. He's I shouldn't just cast wearing dispersions. overalls and nothing else. Shoes? We were Come, almost in the country. Tell me he had shoes on. Tell me he... <laughs> he did. Okay. He, oh, he had shoes on. Like, they well, were ginormous cowboy boots. <laughs> You're not wearing uh. a shirt, but you got shoes, so I guess he gets service. <laughs> I mean, technically, overall, sort of count as a shirt. Hey, yeah. as long as you're not showing nipples, mm-hmm. right? It's that's not nudity. Thing. That's right. Yeah, that's that's legal. Mm-hmm. If you're not where if you're not showing nipples, the you're devil's legal. pinwheels. <laughs> anyway, what, what else we got? Uh, well, VigilGameApocalypse dot com. Our site is back. Oh, Holy shit! Hell yeah! Yay! Finally, thank you. Chris so Antista people can stop for, whining about it in yeah. the mo- in the Facebook group. Thanks. Thank well, you, Chris, for for your hard work and yeah. bringing that back and for not showing. Up but that's that's show. well, that's why he's not here. It's mm-hmm. it's it was a bit of a Black Widow situation uh. where we actually had to sacrifice Chris <laughs> to get the website. back. We did. We had to shove him off the cliff. It was terrible. I feel like it was a fair trade. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair trade. I feel like net, net, net positive on that one. Uh, but the first yep. first responder on VigiGamePodcast.com was Laser Time Rules. What a shocker! Uh, says I sort of helped back that new seventh guest fan game, The Thirteenth Doll. I'd call it less backing and more pre-ordering, but I was following the project on and off for over ten years. Actually surprised it was released. Haven't played it much, but from what I have played, it's very faithful in the the seventh guest eleventh hour motifs and cheesy acting, with actors interacting over green screen. Fun. Little Deuce Deuce Beep beep, I'm a sheep! (laughs) 
<laughs> I backed Shadowrun Returns. Smart. Because I was a big fan of the Shadowrun tabletop RPG as well as the SNES Shadowrun game. Ditto. Wait, am I a little deuce deuce? Uh, overall, I enjoyed be. Shadowrun Returns despite some minor flaws. More importantly, though, I got the sequel, Shadowrun Dragonfall, as a free backer reward. Yes! Dragonfall is one of my favorite games of all time and totally improved every aspect of the first game. I wonder if the fact Shadowrun got kickstarted and had an invested fan base meant the developer had more leeway to refine the game. If they had just released the original Shadowrun Returns and it got lukewarm reviews, I wonder if they would have had the publisher's support to go back and develop it into a masterpiece like Dragonfall. Probably not, little mm. deuce deuce. Yeah, I remember that, that like people were disappointed in Shadowrun Returns, and they're like, oh no, Dragonfall's amazing, though! It was, Shadowrun Returns was fine, it was it was very, you know, I, it was a good game, but yeah, Dragonfall was much better. They, 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 they perfected a lot of the stuff, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad they got the chance to do that. At Sweetly says, I backed Shovel Knight and loved every second of the campaign. I haven't made time to go back and play any of the additional content they released over the subsequent years, but boy, did I love the original campaign. Yeah. You should really go back and play that content because actually, so we just, after we were just talking about Shovel Knight, uh, was it last week's show or two weeks ago? I went back and played, I started playing the Plague Knight campaign, the one with the bombs. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's like the... It's tricky. That one's a tricky one to play. It is. Yeah. yeah. You 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 have like you have to hold a, if you throw a bomb and then hold the jump button and then jump. You can like ex- do like a burst explosion and jump even higher and stuff. But it's 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 really fun and cute. And I'm glad I'm playing that now and that I remember to go back and do that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Alan L. Matthews says Bloodstained. Even though it ended up getting a publisher, it's everything I wanted. And more. It's my game of the year for sure, Matt. Yeah, this is not me. <laughs> this gentleman spells Alan differently than That's me. That's true. Not 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 Matthew Allen, but Alan Matthews. <laughs> the Alan Matthews project. Uh-huh. Alan L. Matthews. Yes, yes. Very, very important, like David S. Pumpkins. Um, <laughs> but we, we have a couple video responses as well. The first one comes from Mike Amari, who says... Hey VJ crew, Mike Amari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was which game did you crowdfund, kickstart, fig, Indiegogo, whichever it was, that you wound up really, really loving? Uh, the only game I've ever crowdfunded was a game called Tesla Effect. It started its oh, life nice. in Kickstarter under the name Project Fedora and was a revitalization of the Tex Murphy series. Now, I've talked about the Tex Murphy series before uh, in one of the previous answers about a game I wish I could forget and go back to. Uh, just suffice to say they were FMV games that were excellent back in the mid-90s. They really were kind of cutting edge for the time. And seeing it brought back, it was something that I'd always really wanted to see with the proliferation of really cheap HD cameras and easy green screen work. You know, it must be much easier than it was back in the day. I was always curious, what would a game like this, like the Tex Murph games, look like in modern day using modern green screen techniques and things like that? And the Tesla effect was 100% that using the Unity engine to have the you know 3D areas that you would walk around. It was pr- 
pretty much the same puzzle solving, same sharp writing, and same excellent voice work that I had expected from those old games. And playing it made me feel like I was back in junior high school. Absolutely loved that game. Uh, not only that, but it came with a lot of great extras. I wound up getting a soundtrack, making of documentaries, which even if you don't like the game, the making of documentaries about Tesla Effect are great because they talk a lot about the history of FMV games, which tend to get forgotten and pushed to the side, but they were a pretty big goddamn deal back in the mid-90s when CD-ROM was first becoming a thing. This was seen as the future. Uh, not only that, I also got my name in the credits, much like uh, Michael. Nice. I really wanted to have my name in the credits, and as I do not currently work in the video games industry, <laughs> or never, and shall never will, this was my one chance to get my name in the credits, so I was very happy to see that. Um, outside of that, I did want to mention two other things that I also kickstart. Not kickstart, things I have on Patreon that I wanted to highlight. Uh, one is there's a YouTuber named Samurai Guitarist. Just really quickly, if you really like guitar music, especially instrumental stuff and really funny YouTube videos, Samurai Guitarist is great. I uh, support him on Patreon. And, of course, the other one I support on Patreon is Laser Time. I became a Laser Time patron mainly because I wanted to get more of the Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sorry, the Elm Street Nightmare series. And I just have not been happier uh, with uh, Patreon support that I've been given. Anything I do to help this network has been just excellent. And being able to give you guys a little bit of money each month to keep going has made me feel pretty good. Um, That's my answer for the week, guys. Thank you for listening to me. I hope to catch up with you again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. It is very appreciated. How dare you not follow and give Patreon money to P and B? It's very upset yes, as well. Upsetting. I am a P and B patron. Mm. Thank you. Uh, we also have one from Full Install who says, "Hey VGH, Tom here from Full Install. In response to your latest community question regarding your favorite Kickstarter campaign, um, I'll tell you what it isn't. This little cube of shite. <laughs> um, if you're wondering what I think of the Uya." <laughs> Anyway, getting back on track, there's only really one proper answer to this, and it is Project Eternity, which would then go on to be called Pillars of Eternity. Ah, Uh, Probably the best CRPG for quite some time, maybe since Temple of Elemental Evil, although that was broken as all hell. But it really helped to capture those old isometric uh, Infinity Engine games. And one thing that it did really well is that at no point playing that game do I ever feel like I could overpower my characters. I always just scraped through by the skin of my underpants. Um, and that's what you want from a, an RPG game. It's a uh, really made you consider each character and what you did. Pillars of Eternity did, of course, get a sequel uh, in recent years in form of Pillars of Eternity 2, which on paper is a better game. It had better backgrounds, it had probably tighter combat, much more refined experience, but it did, of course, have one fatal flaw. It lowered the roster of characters down from six to five. And when you spent, what, 60 hours on Pillars of Eternity 1 with six characters, and you want to kind of jump back into that same set, and you've only got five, you've got to drop one of them. And I just couldn't decide which one to drop, so I just I, the game is shelled for me until, wow. until I can cure some sort of obsessive-compulsive autism. But until then, it's not getting played. But yeah, Pillars of Eternity, one of the best games made in recent uh, years. So that's my choice. Mm. I, I liked Pillars of Eternity, but I, I think I stopped playing when I realized, like, okay, every time I play one of these games with, like, uh, that are based on Dungeons & Dragons with a full party... My tactic every single time is just like an RTS, like select all my characters and just right click on the baddie I want them all to kill. Yeah. It's like, this, this is shitty of me. <laughs> like, I should no. be yeah, thinking more about tactics. Strategizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eh. Mm. No? Not a fan? Just I want my wizard to stab need... that dude with his bow staff or whatever. 
Did you ever do the strategy mode in Dragon Quest or Dragon Dragon Age? No. I did it in Origins, yeah. Yeah, you know um, how you can you can pause the action theoretically mm-hmm. and make it a, like a tactical RPG, but very it's like I would do that, and then I would just be like, no, nah, I'm just going to hack and slash and get through this this fight. It's fine. Well, it was easier for me to do that on PC. Mm. Uh, what, yeah. Because you can't do it on Xbox. Um, Xbox couldn't do that. But on the PC, I would do, I did that because I, I'm I'm not good with WASD. Uh, <laughs> my, my tiny fingers are not equipped for, for WASD. Um, so that's how I played Dragon Age Origins on the PC. Um, I never did the tactic. I never, I didn't use that too much on Inquisition. Oh, happy Dragon Age Day! Mm. It uh, is Dragon Age Day, yeah. Oh wow! Yep. What's your favorite romance? My my oh oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I feel like that. we've been over this. Like we may have we done have. a whole top it's five. We have. It's my first episode. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. Mine is mine is Cullen. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Mine is the love a man feels for his pet with that dog, man. Come on. Oh, Bark Spawn. Yeah. Oh, yes. If you play uh, with the gore on in Dragon Age Origins and you let the dog <laughs> lick the blood off of you, he gets a buff. Nice. Yeah, um, dude. One of the doctors did say that it's his favorite tank in that game. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. That that, that dog is the best tank That dog went everywhere Origins. with me in Origins. I love that mm-hmm. dog. Also, if he pees in a certain way, he also gets a buff, too. He is so great. Him yeah. and Shale. Yeah. Those were my two. Yep. There you go. I literally did a run-through with just Shale and the dog. Okay. All right. Well, new question of the week. What is the first PlayStation game you owned or ever saw that convinced you to buy the system? Now... Obviously, not all of our listeners were in a buying games age or frame of mind when the first PlayStation came out. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you want to focus on PlayStation 1, bonus, great. Uh, That would be ideal. But any success of PlayStation, I guess, is fine. If you say, I never owned a PlayStation, I'm going to say, I don't believe you. But uh, in a pinch, you can substitute your Saturn or N64 or uh, original Xbox or GameCube memories, whatever. What what convinced you to buy into this whatever new generation you first bought into? Um, if this is your first generation that you're old enough to know about, play video games and buy them, uh-huh. you should not be listening and you should talk to your parents. <laughs> oh, no, boo. <laughs> you're too no. young. You're too young. <laughs> Stop. No, no, don't be bad. No, don't do no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying like older people who got into games later in life. I'm saying if they're like little kids who yeah. literally. But you're saying like if generation. the PlayStation 4 is the first generation. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. If the PS4 is your first game generation, like mm-hmm. my first generation was the Atari 2600, man. What if, what if I've been locked in a crypt for the past 50 years then and that's I fine. just emerge and like this is my first video Then that's game. fine. Yes. If you if you just got out of prison mm-hmm. and finally can buy a console again, yep, that's fine too. Great. Uh, <laughs> I guess for me, um, it was it was obviously Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. and Tomb Raider to a lesser degree. I think I remember Tomb Raider because uh, 
my girlfriend at the time had it on her computer and she would never let me play it because all her friends played it and so why it just tires her out that I would ask to play it and like oh, okay great whatever um, but uh, yeah Final Fantasy 7 I played a bunch of that and I'm like shit I need to I need to get a Playstation this yep. is finally pushing me over the edge yep. after years of saying no I don't need a Playstation I'll just buy more N64 games like no no this is amazing yep. I have to play this yep <laughs> yeah I talked about Soul Edge was the game that I was like wow oh, yeah, uh, I too. really really want this system but when i went into the store and to check out with my playstation system final fantasy 7 is the game i had in hand that that was the the bundle the self the self-made bundle at that Mm -hmm. point yeah Mm -hmm. that was that was a game that uh pushed me over and made me made me buy my playstation was final fantasy 7 because why wouldn't you uh and you could not escape those commercials those were on non-stop all the time and were amazing commercials um, and even if the game itself wasn't just one long cinematic which the commercials would have had us believe it was still an amazing game gameplay wise and I loved it so yeah yep. yeah, Final Fantasy 7 for me as well mm-hmm. Kayla? I I didn't have a first PlayStation I didn't start playing video games until I was in my 20s uh, for w- consoles. What was your first PlayStation then? Or did you Oh mine one? was a, a PS3 Okay. Um, okay. All right. And I money bags with, this, with your six hundred dollar five hundred ninety nine US dollars. I got it used. Ah, I got okay. it used. Ridge racer. Um, <laughs> I was at that. And I think conference. it was for flower. Oh really? really? Wow. Yeah. I've never heard. Okay. That's I, great. Everyone I know who's played Flower loves Flower. I've never heard anyone listed as like their favorite game or a game that tipped the scales and made them buy a console. That's so neat. Oh, mm. Flower is beautiful. Yes. It's yes. such a great experience. And then, of course, the reason why I bought a PS4 was because Grim Fandango was going to be on it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, the, the remastered uh, Grim Fandango. I, I am unconventional. Um, but yeah, no, Flower saw it, was like this. I... I need this in my life. And then I bought it, and then I also got um, Metal Gear. Nice. Uh, Metal Gear. And I played that in front of my dad, and he was like, this is bonkers. Let's go play that flower game again. <laughs> oh, you should show him Metal Gear 2, or Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm. Like, oof. Yeah, no, he wanted to go back from Metal Gear to the flower game. Mm. Really? That's nice. Yeah, he, yeah, he was like, these people are crazy. Let's go back to the flower game. It's prettier. <laughs> I feel like yeah, Metal Gear Solid could could like bring in most dads like, ooh, military game. Yeah, and then ooh, they spy game. Yeah, yeah and then they'd be like, Down wait a minute, this. is this anime? This is anime. <laughs> oh, my my dad played World. Uh, yeah, he he played Call of Duty on the Wii. Hmm. Okay, that's wow. my dad. Yeah, okay. Call of Duty is another franchise yeah. Good that for him. many many dads. Yeah, yeah. World at War. It's all and the then World he asked War II me how ones. to play something, and I was uh-huh. like, I don't. I don't play these games. Don't ask me this. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. New question of the week. What was the game you connected with your dad over? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> one. Save that one for Father's Day for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I derailed the conversation. I think we all answered. <laughs> I think did. we're good. Adorable. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, what was the first PlayStation game that convinced you to buy into the PlayStation family of consoles? <laughs> uh, let us know. Go to VidGameApocalypse.com, which now works. And leave a comment under episode 345, or you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Send us the answer there, or visit the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer 
Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Kayla, where can we hear you on the PNB podcast? I I host the main PNB mm-hmm. podcast. Um, podcast. We've just revamped bullshit. our Patreon. Which is patreon.com slash what? PNB. Oh, all right. Cast. Easy. More than likely. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy, guys. Three letters. Three letters. Um... I host the main podcast, we have the main Patreon feed, and then we have, like, our secondary feed, which we're just going to do, like, one-off shoots and stuff like that. It's going to be, like, a randomizer grab bag of fun stuff Mm -hmm. um, that we revamped, so it's easier for us, and we love it. We love just doing stuff off the fly. Uh, The newest podcast on that is our P&B FM uh, where we do Overclock Remix songs. Yay. So, yay. And then if you'd like to join our book club. Hmm, excuse me? Whimsically horny. Excuse me? I am making me? the guys read a romance novel. Whimsically horny? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I will watch anime, and they will read a romance novel. All right. It's pretty much the same thing. That hardly seems like a fair trade. Seems- You're getting the shaft. You're getting the, the short I mean, end of the like stick in that deal. It seems like everyone's miserable on some level. Yeah. So. <laughs> you just could cut out the middleman and watch horny anime, hmm. of which no, there is a fun. lot. Romance novels are amazing. It's called, the book we're reading is Well Met by Jen DeLuca. Pick it up. Mm. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's nerdy stuff. It's great. I, I prefer the dirty version, Well Hung of that book oh, i hate you <laughs> i know uh and i will go ahead and do his plugs for him so tl foster of course was joining us for the first half of the show uh kayla's pnb tag team partner uh so in addition to pnb though uh, tl wrote a movie a short film called rafiq like me which uh I'm, tell me more i am looking Adorable. at the imdb page for this movie oh, right now uh I, I believe tl also posted about it in the official lazy community on facebook so if you want to learn more uh search search for rafiq like me that is r-a-f-e-e-q like me uh and yeah that is that is his short film that he is the writer on that's amazing um Another plug for TL that's also a plug for me, TL is my co-host for the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling, Cheap Podcast. Uh, TL and I did the Patreon-exclusive preview show for NXT TakeOver, War Games, and Survivor Series, and we recorded the review show this week where... We spend over an hour just going over all the news around the wrestling world before we even get into the reviews. It's a huge show. Um, I anticipate we will have that up sometime this weekend after you're listening to this. So that will be in the free feed. And in that show, we're previewing a new feature that is going to be a Patreon-only feature where we're doing 302010 for wrestling, where we take a look back at that pay-per-view that we'll be previewing 30, 20, and 10 years ago. And I love just to see how much wrestling has changed every 10 years. It's great. Um, so, yeah, when we're looking at Survivor Series 89, 99, and 2009, oh, boy, the cast of characters and how they have changed. It was lovely. So that is now a, a, on the free show that's coming out this weekend. And then in the future, we're going to be including that as part of our exclusive Patreon-only preview shows. You can follow us on Twitter, at CheapPobcast, if you want to hear more about the show. And then follow me, at C. Allen. And if you'd prefer to get more updates about this show, you can follow it on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Oh, oh, yes. Quick plug there. Speaking of following us on Twitter, it's that time of year again. Oh, God. The Game Awards are coming up. Oh, no. December 12th. 
We are doing our Twitter Game Awards VGA fan polls. So I have been running a series of polls that I want you listeners to vote on to pick your favorites out of the Game Awards nominees. And then once we get all the votes in and then the Game Awards show airs on December 12th, in a future episode of VGA, we'll talk about the results and we'll talk about how you people did at predicting the results and how your picks were different than the shows. Fun, 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 fun. Worst game of the year is Anthem. Excuse me. <laughs> well, maybe, 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 maybe sound off on the Twitter at VG Apocalypse if you want to vote, yeah. and you can air controversial opinions such as Kayla's about Anthem. Yeah. If on the other hand, totally you... not that. That's nope, nope. <laughs> if on the other hand, you just want to hear me say like you know roughly one joke per week, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wikiparas. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Matt, can you please cut this part? Yeah, fuck those guys! Okay. <laughs> Would you really? Yes, cut that. <laughs> <laughs>